Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 423, a little Christmas edition of Turkey Soup, and I am your co-host and the guy who got thrashed. And I'm your co-host. And the guy who is having a great duck season. Well, I'm surprised you've been able to kill any without me there beside you. Hey, you were there for a really good hunt, so yeah, you, you didn't bring any bad luck, more importantly. Well, that is true. Yeah. And, you know, I actually brought the good luck this morning because I forgot my gun. So Nice. We, of course, had the best hunt we've had in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily... We had such a good hunt that I still got to use other people's guns to kill my limited ducks. So it worked out actually better off in the end because it took us longer and I got to video a lot of the ducks coming in and stuff, which was cool on my cell phone. And so now we have more memories and I still got mine. So it worked out. But about 10 minutes before shooting time, I was was not happy (laughs) with myself. So hopefully I never do that again. 
I didn't enjoy leaving it when I left it turkey hunting, and I really didn't enjoy leaving it when I went duck hunting. Well, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. So Thank you. Thank you. It feels better when you laugh with me. I'm pretty sure that most people who've hunted for quite some time who listen to this show can totally relate and have probably done the same thing before. Yeah, it just, it's like I was too, so kind of yesterday we had a really good duck hunt. It was, it was good, but we could see this other spot where ducks were just piling in and the wind was perfect today and the sun was going to be out today which is great for that spot so we kind of knew that it was more than likely going to be a great hunt and i think i was just too excited and so i chunked my bag get my dog get the dog stand chunk it all in the jeep and we rolled out (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so that that was that and forgot the gun which is important but luckily it really didn't matter because we didn't work any like massive groups where it would have really paid off to have the gun and so like we we killed every duck that came in there the biggest group we worked was five and we killed all them but so it worked out where people let me alternate in kill a single or get in on a pair or something every now and then we got them so it was it was awesome it's just been a fantastic duck season we're we're having a blast good deal yeah how much longer does it last goes till january 31st so we got a long bit of season left month and a half and you know it usually isn't good right now it usually doesn't get good till later in the season but it it is good right now excellent excellent well cool hopefully it continues yeah i sure hope so it's we've been eating a lot of duck I've been made some duck tacos, some duck chili, duck rice bowls, duck steaks, eating tons and tons of duck. Pretty much I've only eaten duck for the past two weeks. And then had some deer that you gifted me. Yeah. Last night. And that was fantastic. I mean, just absolutely fabulous meat off a young doe, so very tender. Yes, indeed. One of Alabama's finest white-tailed deer. I'm sure the meat tasted a lot like pine trees because I think that's about all they eat around here. It's pine, pine cone scented. Mm-hmm. It's great. And I bet, I bet I know what you got whooped in or whatever yours was. Defeated. Yeah. I got thrashed. Absolutely thrashed. curb stomped, thrashed, whooped. I mean, you name what whatever term you like to use for the worst kind of defeat you can imagine, and that was me Saturday night playing yeah, we had Mexican a... train dominoes with Cameron, uh-huh. Audrey, and my lovely bride. My wife and I both are in the same boat with you. We all got thrashed. You you maybe got it worse than the rest of us, but Tammy was just on a warpath. Well, once she said that her walkout song is all I do is win by DJ college. <laughs> it was on. I mean, it was, it was just on. like, there was going to be no stopping her at that point. Yeah. She, and she all never she did relented. was win, 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 no matter what. Yep. That is, that is true. But we had a fun time visiting with y'all to yeah. come some meat with the deer and really appreciate it. And okay. we've got nice to see you twice, down. twice in, in about a month, which is awesome. I know. I know that's rare, but, Enjoyed it. Glad y'all came. Hopefully and... see you again soon during turkey season. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Which so we will be kicking off in about 75 days. Yeah, and in Alabama, we're 100 days 
15 hours, 50 minutes, and 35 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season. It is chugging on around the corner, and I'm going to say this because it's one of my milestones on my calendar every single year. We're about one week away from the winter solstice. And if it doesn't just jog your brain right away from that point for the next six months, the daylight period is going to do nothing but increase every single day. So to me, it makes winter seem not quite as bad when we have longer periods of daylight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that is true. And, you know, Christmas, New Year's, Unicoi convention, and it's here. We're, we're at kind of that speedy type of the year. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, it's, it's coming. Bam, 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 and, it's, and it'll be here. So looking forward to it. But in the meantime, yeah, we got a little soup to keep us warm. You know, there's a cold front rolling across the country, and the temperatures today are not quite what they were yesterday. So I could use a little soup to keep me warm. Absolutely. I feel like I've got a good mix. I got some southeast, some northeast, some west, some west coast. I'm I'm all over the country with my articles. Well, kick us off with one. All right. We're going to start. We'll start in the northeast with in Maine. The title of this article is a new study shows trends in lymphoproliferative disease among Maine wild turkeys. So that virus is more typically called LPDV. And so it says the potentially lethal LPDV virus is becoming more prevalent among wild turkeys in the Northeast. With wild turkey populations growing, the risk of disease transmissions between them may increase. In a new University of Maine-led study, researchers identified the prevalence of LPDV in wild turkey populations statewide and the factors that can influence their chance of infection. So some of, here's like, they they talk about what turkeys that have this will exhibit. So they usually have a tumor, lesions, lethargy, you know, just lazy, I guess. I don't know. And there's no, it can't be transmitted to humans. At least they don't think so yet. So that's good. But they took samples from 2017 through 2020 from about 700 turkeys in Maine. And what percentage do you think of those 700 had LPDV? Oh, man. 10%? 59%. Holy cow. That's pretty huge. That's crazy. Yeah. So you're looking at, you know, six out of 10 birds out of 700 had this virus positive. So they also examined seasonality, location, age, and sex among the wild turkeys, and they found that females, adults, in the spring had LPDV more often than males, juveniles, in the winter. So it said, like, females in the spring had it more than males and juveniles in the winter. Hmm. And the more forested areas had LPDV more than those that live near farms, which I thought was actually kind of reverse of what I would have guessed. Yeah. You think, like, you're deep in the forest, turkeys would have been less likely. Yeah, a little more spread out and less likely less likely to give it to each other. Yeah, it says the the higher infection rate among female turkeys in Maine may result from physiology and foraging behavior that make them more susceptible to disease, and the adults are more likely than juveniles to have higher levels of exposure to the virus, possibly resulting in chronic infections. And because they move around more in the spring to forage and mate, they are more likely to be exposed to LPDV. 
So their findings highlight patterns of LPDV infection in Maine's wild turkey population, which can help us to predict location timing in individuals affected and is useful for monitoring wild turkey health. And they also tested for reticuloadenophiliosis virus, REV, which I probably did not quite get that right, but it can cause immunosuppression tumors and runting disease. Hmm. They so and they tested for it looks like they tested for all these different diseases. Myo mycoplasma galaseptikum, a lesion causing disease and that can inhibit reproduction and egg hatchability and then salmonella pullerum, which can be lethal for the chicks. And so of the 700 turkeys research sampled, 3.4% tested positive for the salmonella pullerum, which is lethal on the chicks. So not very many, 3.4, that's not bad. 16% had REV and 74% tested positive for mycoplasma galaseptikum. Not, yeah. It just says that's a lesion-causing disease. It doesn't say that one is lethal. So, now, you know, it, of, of the ones that had to be positive, that's not the... But it does say that that mycoplasma one that 74% tested positive for inhibits reproduction and egg hatchability, which we all know is where the turkey is struggling. So that might be a disease worth looking at more. Yeah. So anyway, pretty valuable study in my mind coming out of Maine, which, you know, in the past I have felt like Maine really wasn't too interested in their wild turkeys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, so it's good I mean, to see them do that. Yeah. I don't know about them not being interested, but yeah, that's, you know, that's a state that has a decent population of birds. And so it's kind of interesting to me to hear that they've got these levels of diseases going on. And you wonder if maybe is this the beginning of the decline for wild turkeys in Maine? Yeah, I mean, with those disease rates, yeah, that could be, could very well be a problem. (laughs) I mean, and, you know, we'll see. We've said it before. Southeast may just be the first ones to see it. Hopefully not, but these states that have good populations better start shoring things up before things get bad. Yeah. And looks like Maine is trying to take steps to do that. Yeah. Well, what's your first article? Sorry if that was a depressing one, but it's depressing in one way that there was that much disease, but also encouraging in another way that, you know, yet another state concerned about turkeys and looking at solutions slash what's the problem. Yeah, no doubt. What you got for us? Well, I'll try to cheer things up a little bit. How about that? So, Come on with it. The National Wild Turkey Federation, the Alabama chapter, has donated more than $143,000 for programs in Alabama. So, you know, this is something I've mentioned to a few people at NWTF before. So many things like this go unannounced. And they're not really unannounced, but I guess with the filters in our social media, the filters through Google, you know, a lot of articles like this we don't see, whether it's the NWTF or TFT, but there's a lot of money that goes back to our states for research and for habitat improvement and things like that. And so this was a pretty good little article here. So what they're saying is that there's going to be $107,000 to be used for turkey projects throughout the state and matched by conservation groups. And that that's going to bring the money for wild turkey projects up to 780000 
$86,712, and that that should impact around 126,000 acres throughout the state. And a lot of that's going to be habitat enhancement is what those funds are going to be spent on. So it says the majority of the donated funds are going to be used on wildlife management areas and SOA, so the special opportunity areas, to help support habitat management equipment, and that it will also be used to buy some wildlife habitat management equipment. So, you know, again, one of those things that I feel like needs to be out there, no matter who the organization is, you know, I'm I'm on the side, and I believe that whether it's TFT or it's NWTF, if one dollar goes back into wild turkeys and research and habitat improvement, then the wild turkeys are better off than they were before that organization came around. So yeah, that was good news there, and I'm I'm excited about that because that's the old home state. Heck yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Did they, you know, list any specifics about where, or they just said how many acres it would impact? No, they didn't list any specifics. Even if they did, I wouldn't say anything. They're <laughs> <laughs> gonna really improve the pulp production on this WMA. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, they did. Like and they didn't get real specific, you know, as far as exactly what kind of habitat improvement projects they were going to work on. But I'm sure there's some control burn that's going to be going on with that. So mm-hmm. that'll be a good thing. Yeah. Well, that that sounds great. That's that's no small chunk of money. I mean, that's a pretty significant contribution. Absolutely. Yep. What'd you that was nice to that was nice of you to do that. <laughs> yeah, that was all my money. So <laughs> you guys can just email me, Andy, at IamTurkeyHunting.com and say thank you. Yeah, well, I, I got a, quite the story for you coming next. I got the story of the drumstick gang. Ooh, that sounds menacing. All right, so we're going out to California. Of course, this would happen in California, and kind of the tone of this article is, defending the drumstick gang you know but (laughs) this article reveals the dark machinations of a community's murderous vendetta against a seemingly vindicative gang of birds golly that's a lot of just nasty adjectives pronounced half those adjectives right but you know we're going with it the story begins in the fall of 2021 when complaints started trickling in about a gang of aggressive turkeys targeting the mail workers in Sacramento. The U.S. Postal Service reported at the time the mail carriers were being jumped on and physically attacked by the birds. So by mid-October, it was evident the birds were not responding to normal shooing away, and the mail carriers were being injured. So apparently these things were really flogging them good. They tried to fight back by swinging mail bags and pepper spray on the birds. They investigated, and they tried to defeat the drumstick gang, but it was not easy. The turkeys avoided capture by running away. You know, shocking, they would run away from people trying to catch them. Months later, a mailman was seen brandishing a large pole. Not long after, in late February, an enormous turkey was clubbed to death in the street by a mail carrier. Clubbed to death. An employee who inspected the carcass told the paper it was the biggest turkey he'd ever seen. News of the killing split opinion in the community, causing a feud on next door and led to a statement from the USPS <laughs> calling the killing inexcusable. Some said the mail carrier should be punished while others accused neighbors of feeding the turkeys. 
CDFW reportedly planned to capture the remaining birds with a net gun and ship them off to El Dorado County. Since the killing, Turkey on postal worker attacks have reportedly declined, and the neighborhood is living in what the story calls an uneasy truce. Imagine that. Wild turkeys, a flock of wild turkeys watches one of their own kind get beaten to death by a human being. And all of a sudden, they're afraid of human beings. They've had enough. Wow. They've had enough. I've, I mean, that's, that's just amazing. I want to see, A, if I can find the Nextdoor app and find this forum where this feud broke out. Whoa. And then I'm also really impressed that the United States Postal Service, which is pretty large, I would assume, actually made a statement on this. <laughs> Inexcusable. If if you make Nextdoor, if you make a post or news on Nextdoor, you've, you're just screwed. I mean, what I'm going to do when I retire is I'm going to create a pseudonym and I'm going to <laughs> just absolutely torment the crap out of people on Nextdoor. That app slash website is totally, totally ridiculous. I mean, it's just the people on there are, the vast majority of people on there, I should say, are buffoons. So, <laughs> yeah, well. not shocked that that was made public all over Nextdoor. And yeah, that's, that's good stuff. So, if that had happened in Alabama or Tennessee, the article would have been like, local community celebrates by roasting whole bird after mailman beats it to death. Yeah. <laughs> Creates new family event. Grandma Shirley was there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the the tone is so funny to me because it's, you know, Sacramento, California. Murderous. So they're on the turkey side, of course, when, you know, hey, I'm a mailman just trying to go to work. I'm getting spurred to death by a turkey every day. I'm on his side. Kill the thing. Like, it's a city bird anyway. That... Yeah. If nobody's going to come relocate it and I'm getting literally attacked, okay, there's there's a line to cross here. It's a human compared to a, you know, city bird. Yep. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's like that one we did one time where they, like, tried to charge a homeless man because he killed a turkey and ate it. And I'm yeah. like, I mean, come on. What do you, he's trying to eat. Like, what what better service could a turkey give to the human race than to feed a homeless guy? Like, <laughs> That's no great. No doubt. Yeah. So anyway, it's just interesting to me, but that's a pretty comical article. The Drumstick Gang, I think, is a good name for the turkeys. That's I like a, it. That's a heck of a good name. Yeah. I, I always like to find one of those articles, those city birds. You know, we had Gerald, and we've had several others in the past. Always seems to be one. Yeah. Menace. Yes, indeed. There's always what you got? one thug around somewhere. Oh, yeah. Well, you oh, got man. round two. I'm going way north. I'm going to Canada. All right. We're crossing the border, eh? We are. We are, you hoser. So <laughs> the headline, Hunter fined 15K for hitting woman with pellet during wild turkey hunt. Now, that headline is a tad bit confusing to me. Hmm. But essentially what happened, I'm, I'll kind of summarize the story here. Gordon Maydill or Maddle of Ontario was found guilty of carelessly discharging a firearm while hunting, in addition to numerous wild turkey hunting offenses. He also received a 10-year hunting license suspension. So 
He was hunting on a property near the town of Gooderham in mid-May of last year. No, this year, I'm sorry. He discharged his shotgun at a wild turkey, and the pellets from his shot hit a nearby resident standing beside her house. The individual was not injured. Further investigation by conservation officers revealed numerous other offenses, including hunting turkeys without a license and hunting within 400 meters of bait on multiple dates. So they used police dogs to help during the investigation, and that resulted in a total of 12 charges being filed. So that's, you know, a great thing that the woman was not hurt. And that's why those laws are in place, as we all know, to not discharge a firearm within a certain number of feet or yards of a building, whether it's occupied or unoccupied, because even though it may be unoccupied, we don't know that. It is. Yeah, somebody somebody may be walking in at that moment. Yes. So, you know, I I think that was, I I hate that it happened. You know, I hate the guy did that. I hate the guy got in trouble for it, but it sounds like he wasn't really all that concerned with trying to obey the law anyway. But, you know, the great thing is the woman was not hurt, but you got to wonder how far away she was from the shot to where she got hit with the pellets, but not hurt, physically hurt by the pellets. So, yeah, you know, huh? you don't hear of that happening very often, no, which is good. You don't. You don't. And it's a good reminder for us, you know, not just turkey hunting, but deer hunting and duck hunting, doves, whatever it is we're hunting, to be aware of what is behind our target. And that's something that we talk about quite often here on the show. It's just basic hunting safety. But, you know, I think we all, just human nature, you know, we get caught up in the hunt and we get nearsighted and don't think about or don't look at what's behind the target. So just another little reminder there, and you guys be safe out in the woods. Yeah, yeah, that is a that is a good reminder. I'm going to take us kind of middle of the U.S., I guess, you know, what, is, what would this be considered? Where Where is Indiana? Like, what is that considered? The Well, you know my thoughts on this. If, it, if there's a location north of Coleman, Alabama, <laughs> it's Yankee, Yankee land. Ground. That's right. <laughs> So we're going way into Yankee ground of Indiana. That's the Midwest, and, Cameron. Okay, the Midwest. That's Although, what I'm calling it. I mean, it's not very far west. I'm sitting here looking at my map. But anyway. It's the central part of the country. Yeah. In Tippecanoe County, there is a man who I'm just going to go by his first name, Hanson, because I truly don't know how to pronounce his last name and not come across wrong. Okay. So we're just going to go with Hanson. Hanson. He's a 25-year-old. And he's from West Lafayette. He received the first ever. I mean, everybody wants to be the first to do something, right? But this Hanson fella is the first ever to receive a lifetime hunting suspension in Indiana. Nice. So that's the first you don't want to get. (laughs) Congrats, man. You're the first. So he is accused and obviously found guilty, it seems, of poaching turkeys in Indiana and North Carolina and Georgia, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and Massachusetts. Hmm. This fellow's been all over the place. And it's the first lifetime suspension of its kind in the state's history. He had his hunting privileges revoked back in 2019 for a year, 
And then during 2020, he was still hunting and taking multiple turkeys illegally in Indiana and other states. So didn't learn from his one-year ban. And he also has been documented that he helped family and friends poach turkeys. So he got a lifetime hunting ban. And in addition to that, he was sentenced to one year in jail. Wow. He had four days. He had all but four days suspended. So he only spent four days in jail, but had to serve home detention and 361 days of probation. And he has to pay a thousand dollar animal replacement fee to the DNR. And then he's also facing fines and bans in other states. So Pennsylvania's got a $4,000 fine, eight-year hunting license suspension. Connecticut's fining $320 and also suspending him indefinitely. $700 in Massachusetts, license suspended during probation. $2,300 in Georgia, $270 in North Carolina, and $500 in Tennessee. And yeah. So this fellow is going to have a tough time getting back after the turkeys. He's going to have to find some new states, A, and probably wait till he gets off probation. <laughs> so does the article mention what the citations in those other states were for? Because you said the fine in North Carolina was $270 or something like that. It seems like that's awfully cheap. Was that hunting over bait? Because I could see yeah, where that that's would be a what... cheap fine. They don't really go into all the different, you know, okay. reasons, but yeah. it looks like a lot of poaching, a lot of no license, hmm. and I love that they show some of the evidence. What a, This guy's kind of a dingus, obviously. He's suspended from hunting, keep in mind, and they found 14 shotgun holes, apparently is what he kept as his trophy for each turkey, that all were dated during the year of his hunting suspension. <laughs> Excellent. So shoot, you know, 13 over the limit in Indiana and date them all. That's that's a great move. Yeah. So they tracked his cell phone locations. They used his cell phone's content, license plate readers, and canines to, I guess, piece all this together. So they used a lot of different stuff. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of other states cooperated. So pretty... Mm. Interesting. He also did some stuff in Mexico, apparently, but they can't get him on that because it's in Mexico. Dang. And he never uh, reported any of the turkeys and stuff he killed. So it looks like he also did some stuff with ducks. This guy is just a total rogue, basically. Yeah. Hanson's a bad dude. Yeah. And serving the consequence of that, you know, I uh, I just like wonder how they pieced it all together. You know, it's, it seems like to me stuff like that, they get them on one thing, they finally catch them with something. And then through cell phones and everything else, they can find everything else. Mm-hmm. So, pretty interesting. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, they yeah. said the main thing they're trying to figure out from this is how to keep violators from reoffending. Because, in his case, they suspended him for a year, which is a pretty hefty deal anyway. And that didn't even slow him down. You know, smoked him 14 more in Indiana that year. Well, you know, that just goes to prove that no matter what the law is, outlaws don't care. So you can create and put in place any law you want to, but an, a true outlaw does not care what that law is. He or she are going to do whatever they want to do and don't care about the yep. penalty. So That's true. You only really can make laws for those who follow laws. Yep. So... I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to tell Indiana how to do things, but 
I believe I'd just have the game warden in that county just camped outside this guy's house like 24-7. If he comes out in camo, just follow him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty interesting. I mean, a lifetime hunting ban is, I would be absolutely devastated. Well, that's because you care. Yeah. And you don't want to be the guy that, I mean, it's, you think about the ramifications of that. And even if you are an outlaw and you truly don't care, you're still always looking over your shoulder. How fun is it to hunt or fish or watch football or do anything in life when you always have to look over your shoulder? Yeah, that's that's very true. You think about that guy, if he goes, walks out in his yard with a pellet gun to shoot a squirrel that's chewing on his eaves of his house well he's hunting yep so anyway where are we where are we headed now we're gonna go to west virginia mountain mama take me home all right so the numbers are in for west virginia's fall turkey harvest and it increased by almost 46 percent over last year's harvest wow now that's shocking because nobody really cares about fall but i'll say it two ways Shocking because I would have imagined there'd be less hunters. Not as shocking because we had a pretty darn good hatch nationwide two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, the article says that fall turkey hunters harvested 1,012 birds this past fall season compared to 694 birds last year. And that the 2022 harvest was 0.24% below the five-year average and almost 10% below the 10-year average. And so it says even though fewer counties had a 10-week fall season due to a decline in the spring harvest, the fall harvest generally remained on par with long-term averages. So fewer opportunities because there were fewer counties open, and they killed pretty much the same number of birds they have for the past five years. If you throw last year out, and just 10% below the 10-year average. So, yeah, you know, so pretty dead on. Yeah, I yeah. mean, well, that's good. Good job, West Virginians. Hope y'all had a fabulous fall season. Yeah, and this article, just going back to kind of touch on what you just said, it the article mentions that this year's brood survey in West Virginia, that the results were similar to last year's, and that that is the best two production years that they've had within the past five years. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So it does make sense that there's more turkeys around to be harvested. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's encouraging. I mean, I know fall season isn't most people's cup of tea, but yep. fall is a good reflection of the hatch. And if it's up, then there probably were lots of yearling birds because that's majority of your fall harvest in either sex states. Yeah. So that's good. I'm glad to know and hope those Folks out there in West Virginia who do fall turkey hunt enjoyed the original turkey season. There Maybe enjoyed a bird for Thanksgiving. Yeah. What you got? Why don't Why don't we go west? We haven't been out west, and we've got another one of these studies that is being put on in the state of Nebraska. Okay. So the title of this is "State Hopes UNL Study Will Help Explain Wild Turkey Population Decline." This is staggering. Rural sightings, because Nebraska, for pheasants, quail, and turkeys, do they do like a roadside survey, I think, every year. 
mm-hmm. because if you've ever been to Nebraska, it's pretty dead gum open. <laughs> yeah. So if you get everyone in the state to tell you what they're seeing, pretty darn good information, you know. If you drive through rural Alabama and don't see anything, that kind of makes sense because there's not many fields in a lot of places. You know, you might be in 100,000 acres of timber, but Nebraska's not like that. You you see most all of your game species. Somebody will see them. And so rural sightings are down 45% over the past 15 years. That's, that's bad because... In my mind, not only are they down 45%, I would be willing to bet more people participate now, you know, than they did in the past. And they probably monitor it heavier now mm-hmm. because 15 years ago, Nebraska was blowing and going. And now everybody's getting a little bit concerned. So they actually use their, their mailmen, like their mail carriers. That's who, that's part of their job is to report, hey, I saw turkeys. And so they've done this, you know, for years and years and years, and it's a key statistic they use. They say in here how they kind of explain how it works, how it is very important for setting limits. And as we've talked about in the past, Nebraska has actually reduced their limits and changed their laws for this upcoming season to reflect this. But they are going to fund a study. The Nebraska Game and Parks Commission is funding a study with $1.8 million in fees from gun, ammo, and hunting permit sales. So they're funding a study on, let's see, they're actually partnering with the University of Georgia, and our, I assume that would be Mike Chamberlain, and the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. They're going to spend several years studying Merriam's turkeys in western Nebraska. They're going to catalog how many turkeys lay eggs, how many eggs in a clutch survive, where adult turkeys acquire food and choose to shelter. They're also going to track turkey movements, figure out what kind of cover they seek at what times of the year and how their choices affect their survival. Hmm. And so, yeah, then it goes into how for 2023, the state has dropped the number of turkey hunters. Uh, Non-residents are limited. There's a cap and they're dropping the limit to two birds apiece and one bird in the fall. And then, wow, this is crazy. I didn't realize... They sell more turkey hunting permits now than they do deer permits for out-of-staters. That's insane. That is crazy. <laughs> like, I had never seen that. That's a huge, that's that's absurd, actually. Yeah, it is. So, NWTF applauds the study, and it's a step towards learning what's happening in Nebraska, as well as other states, including Oklahoma and Kansas. Because like we've said plenty of times in the past, these type of studies can be applied across state lines. So great job, Nebraska, on you know funding this study because $1.8 million is a pretty large investment in your turkeys. But like it says in here, hunting is big business. It brings in about a billion dollars to Nebraska each year, you know, all hunting. And if turkeys are now selling equivalent to deer, I assume they're wanting to make sure they continue to put turkeys on the ground in Nebraska because that is a that's a lot of money. Because mm-hmm. they also, I mean, Nebraska's not a cheap state to hunt if you want to shoot multiple birds because it was, I mean, I think it's like 180 bucks a pop per permit, you know, which isn't bad for one bird. But if you wanted to shoot all three of yours the past couple of years, that, that's a pretty good amount of money. Yeah. And they're hoping maybe the study on nesting and all this might be able to be applied with pheasants and bobwhite quail as well, since those are also desirable species. So 
it'll be interesting to see how this Nebraska study goes with Merriam's out west. Hopefully they find something, you know. Hopefully they're able to make this applicable and share this information with other states so that they can help their Merriam's turkeys. Yeah. Because 45% decline in sightings by the same mail carriers who are running the same routes for the past 15 years, that's not good. Not a bit. Not good at all. And hopefully this $1.8 million that is brought to you by hunters and gun owners helps the wild turkeys in Nebraska. Yeah. Yep. Man. So, yeah. A couple of pieces of very interesting information in that article. The 45% decline and then the fact that they sell more turkey tags than they do deer tags to out-of-staters. I mean, that blows my mind. Yeah. Like, I mean... I'm sure they still sell way more resident deer tags than turkey tags, I guess. But that means a so. ton of people are going to Nebraska to hunt each spring. So this is like 13,000 non-residents. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of turkey permits. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, that is a lot of people buying turkey tags in Nebraska. Because, yeah, Nebraska is a large state, but habitat that turkeys can inhabit is really not vast there you know i mean they're creek bottoms and they gotta have trees and stuff like that so those thirteen thousand could do some damage i'm sure probably while they're dropping the limit and they're now gonna limit i think ten thousand is the maximum amount of non-residents they're gonna let have permits this year yeah yeah well very interesting yes not gonna be the first or last state we see doing that for non-residents i don't think yeah i tend to agree with you and harold knight said it when we talked to him at the convention that's just where things are probably going to have to get to go when turkey hunters are outnumbering your deer hunters which is just a shocking statistic then something's got to be done because probably killing too many yep for sure (laughs) what do you have all right your last article I guess, I don't know, this is not really news, to, I think, to anyone listening to this podcast or to me or you, but there's an article in The Dispatch. So it's cdispatch.com. It's written by Kevin Tate, and the headline reads, Trapping Nest Predators Helps Turkeys Immediately. So I'm going to I like it. Yeah, I'm going to pick through the <laughs> article here. It's talking about different population surveys and things like that that Turkeys for Tomorrow is doing. And it also talks about how those studies that they're doing indicate that fur-bearing nest predators like possums, coons, and skunks are by far the largest cause of nest predation. And that there's some studies from Iowa and other states that track the life cycles of turkeys and They have found huge percentages of turkey nests destroyed every spring, either before the eggs could hatch or before the newly hatched turkeys were large enough to flee. So this is, again, nothing, no news to us. But what I thought was interesting about it is, you know, you and I have had him on the show to talk about this, but they interviewed Grant Woods as the brains for the article. And he definitely is that. So... He talks a lot about the results that he had on the Proving Grounds. He talks about how when, after he had done a bunch of habitat improvement on his property, he actually noticed that the turkey numbers were declining. This is on his property, on the Proving Grounds. 
and he said we had good nesting cover and that they did prescribed burns. They cut hundreds of acres of cedars and still their turkey population was getting low. And so he started conducting more concentrated trapping efforts. And he said over the past decade that they've really worked to get after the predators every winter. And they talked about in this article how really, you know, January, February, March is when you want to be trapping predators before the nests can get destroyed. And the reason that he says that is because, let me skip down to that part of the article so I'd be sure not to screw it up. But he said that trapping predators during that period of time, what you're doing is you're trapping more adult nest predators and the adults are very territorial. And so if you're trapping them during that time of year, you're getting rid of the the nest predators that are going to be destroying your nests mm-hmm. before any other predators can move back in. Because as he mentioned in the last podcast that we had him on, he mentioned that today the large majority of raccoons that he traps are young raccoons who are being run out of neighboring properties mm-hmm. onto his property in search of their own territory. And so, you know, basically we have to stay after them. But he talked about, and this is something we see a great deal in the Southeast, they talk about how timber companies will come in and cut timber and that they'll leave the SMZs, the streamside management zones around the creeks and rivers to protect the water quality. And that while that's great for erosion prevention, it creates a predator food plot at the same time. And that the turkeys will nest in those SMZs. And if a fox or a coyote or a raccoon or a bobcat walks along that creek on the downwind side of a turkey nest, especially, you know, if it's wet, been raining and that turkey's wet, then once that predator gets a scent of that turkey nest, you can kiss that nest goodbye. And so, you know, doing your trapping during those times of the year and in those areas will pay dividends mm-hmm. for your turkeys. And he talks about how that has paid dividends for him on the proving grounds. So, you yeah. know, not again. You want to not- hear more on that? Check out our episode we did with Grant Woods. Was it last year around October sometime? I don't know the number, but yeah. he goes into more detail on that. It's great. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's nothing that's earth shattering to very many people listening to this show. But again, it's a reminder because we're getting close to that time of year. We're mid-December now. So let's get out there and start hammering on some nest predators now. Plus, so many states have trapping seasons that are open now and will close sometime in February or early March. So if we're going Mm -hmm. to try to make a dent, now is the time to make that dent. So yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, I was reading Henry Davis's The American Wild Turkey, mm-hmm. which is probably one of the more famous turkey books that's ever been written, I would say. And, you know, that book was written a long time ago before all this, you know, is going on in the world where we are today with news and social media and, you know, us being able to see all these research studies and things like that. You know, he basically is reporting through his book what he has seen and experienced and what he's learned by literally being a man in the woods, not from other people, you know? Yeah. And so it's kind of interesting, but 
he even said in the book, he said, when foxes, wildcats, possums, and raccoons were kept in check on our preserve by two skilled trappers, wild turkeys were far more plentiful than when in subsequent years those varmints were allowed to multiply into hundreds without making any effort to check and destroy them. I mean, this guy's not basing it on some study that the science told him. He's not looking at, you know, what YouTube told him. He's just looking at, hey, we trapped these two years and we had a lot more turkeys and then we stopped trapping and we had less turkeys. Mm -hmm. And I mean, then he even went as far. (laughs) It's interesting because he says this way back in the day and it's applicable today. He said, yet there are men who, despite such proof, loudly proclaim in magazine and newspaper articles Today, he would have written Facebook that the destruction of game by predators is negligible. The members of the public are gullible indeed who pay the slightest attention to such statements. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was pretty interesting because I guess back then, even there were people who were saying, oh, you know, predation's negligible. It's going to happen anyway. You can't trap them out. They'll, They'll just move right back in and stuff. And he's saying, look, we did it on our preserve. I've seen it. You can absolutely help your turkeys. Yeah. So pretty interesting stuff. I I thought that was interesting that, you know, it's always, I think these articles are getting more and more prevalent, like you just stated. And hopefully the persona around trapping is, is getting better, you know, and more people are getting involved. I think there's definitely more people getting involved now than there were three years ago. Yeah. And that's one of the few positives I've found in social media is that movement. I feel like has grown a lot. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I totally agree with that statement. And one of the negatives of social media, I texted you the other day. I don't know if you saw a screenshot. Did you see that screenshot I sent you from Facebook of the guy commenting on the other guy's post where he killed a coyote? Yes. And he, so this guy posts his picture. He killed a coyote while he's deer hunting, I think, you know, he's proud of it. And he said something along the lines of like trying to help out the turkey population and this other dude comments like, you probably just doubled the coyote population. <laughs> and he's dead serious. <laughs> Only way to actually lower them is, is something else. So you got one, but you probably just doubled it. And I'm like, dude, wh- what are you listening to? Like, what are you on? idiotic thing that I think I've heard a hunter say. I, you just doubled it. You killed one, you doubled it. Way to go, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I, sometimes... And I get it, all right? Somebody somewhere apparently did a study on the coyote where if you kill them, they know to breed more and make more pups, apparently. But I'm just going to be quite frank. I'm no I'm no conspiracy theorist. But in this regard, I think that's a load of crap. I truly do. I think if a male coyote is wanting to breed and a female coyote is there, they're going to breed and she's still going to have pups. I don't think... She can regulate. Hey, I'm gonna have eight this year. <laughs> right. I'm gonna have six because uh, he shot. You know, my buddy over there, and I was only gonna have three, but now I'm gonna have six because one of them died. Yeah. You know, I, I just truly do not think that. I could see how that could massively benefit organizations who want to protect the coyote, like PETA, or a conservation organization like that that is anti-hunting, anti-trapping, by being like, hey, we'll, we'll tell these people that if they kill them, that it makes more of them. That's genius. What a move. Are you saying that that <laughs> is anti-disinformation? I'm just saying. Who does that benefit? By trying to tell everyone that, hey... Coyotes will multiply if you kill them. If you kill one, you get two. You double. 
If you kill two, you'll have four. No, no, no. You're doubling the entire population. Yeah, you killed one, yeah. you now have 50. You only had 25 before you shot that right. one. Right. I'm just saying that helps people who don't want us to kill coyotes at all. Because if I believe, oh, I better not shoot that one, or they're going to really have a huge litter this year, that's that's helpful for organizations who don't want coyotes to die. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Call it the Cameron conspiracy. I don't care. Bring it on. I'll, I, I, I will never believe that this guy on Facebook who shot his one coyote has doubled his coyote population. You'll never convince me otherwise, unless I see it with my own eyes. You know, in a normal world, I would say, you know what? Don't shoot the coyotes. That's just more for me to shoot. But I'm more interested in growing the turkey population. So, and the deer too, and the rabbits. Dude, there's, so there's no telling me foxes are going to be on your place now. Oh, yeah. There's probably I mean, you, six or eight hundred foxes them. because I killed two off of it. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be overrun. What are you doing, man? You thought you were helping? <laughs> There's going to be foxes stacked on top of foxes. Stacked on Andy top has of foxes. single-handedly brought back the fox population by killing them. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Andy. Yeah. Nice job. That. Well, I mean, it's just ignorance on my part. You know, I never should have done that. But now that I know better, I won't. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's the mindset they want us to. Be- I I swear, that's my conspiracy. I'm sticking to it. Yeah. These studies that show the coyotes know to have more puppies because some of their members in the community died. I'm just, I just don't think they're true. It's my conspiracy. <laughs> Maybe I'm ignorant, <laughs> but I just don't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's on. all we got for today, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Unless you want to hear my well, article about. How Turkey did not allow the caliber carriers to pass into the Black Sea. As interesting as that one sounds, I'm going to pass on that. Okay. (laughs) Save that for next time then. Yeah. And so I guess to give you all a preview of what we're coming up in next, we're going to start a series on traveling and turkey hunting. But it's not going to be a how to onyx scout from home type series. You can find those plentifully everywhere. We're going to more so focus on the actual traveling portion, such as, you know, gear and how you go, like whether people prefer to fly or drive, why, how people camp, what are some tips on packing, what are some tips on getting ready for the trip, you know, things like that. So I think it's going to be really interesting. It'll probably get a lot of perspectives. And, you know, every time I travel with someone new, I feel like I learn something new about travel, like, you know, carry boot dryers that plug into your car. You know, that was a huge one for me because mm-hmm. <laughs> my boots always get wet. So, yeah, because a turkey never gobbles on my side of the creek. But yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting series. We're going to get some guys on here who do some serious traveling for turkey hunting. And we're going to focus on how they go about travel, what they prefer, and any tips they might have to share with us. And I think it'll be good. So yep. hopefully it'll help you, you guys out who may have a trip lined up for this coming spring to go either hunt with a guide or go try it yourself somewhere, or you got a buddy private land you want to go hunt, whatever it may be. Hopefully we can help you pack correctly and maybe give you a tip on something you need to be packing or to purchase off Amazon. Absolutely. Yeah, and that'll carry us on through the end of 2022 and into 2023. 
and then we're just going to get cranking from there. So you guys put your seatbelt on and hang on because we're going to speed this thing right on into turkey season. Yeah, absolutely. We're closing in. I know there's very few states around the country that are still have a turkey season going right now, a winter season. But if you're one of the lucky few who have that option, hope you're having a good winter season. And hope you enjoyed hearing news about our favorite bird from around the country. Yes, sir. Very cool. Wrap us up. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.